a Syracuse Sports Center starts now. I'm Joe Salzon. The Yankees and the Tigers split a doubleheader in Detroit. In Game 1, the Yankees got home runs from Glaber Torres, Greg Bird, and Austin Romine on the way to winning 7-4. But in Game 2, the offense could not get going as the Tigers win 4-2. The Yankees head to Toronto to begin a series tonight against the Blue Jays. The Washington Capitals take a 3-1 series lead in the Stanley Cup Final after beating the Vegas Golden Knights 6-2. And former 49ers wide receiver Dwight Clark has died after a battle with ALS. Clark won Super Bowls with the Niners in 1981 and 1984 and made one of the most recognizable plays in the history of the NFL in the game against the Cowboys in the 1982 NFC Championship game. I'm Joe Salzone. The Daniel Baldwin Show starts now. Hey, this is Daryl Strawberry, and you listen to The Daniel Baldwin Show. What can I say about my brother Daniel that hasn't already been said dozens of times in police reports? Jim Kelly, you're listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio. This is The Daniel Baldwin Show. A woman on the radio talks about It's under your arm. I can't see the point. Yeah, throw it out there, for God's sake. We're back. We're here. I'm fresh off the Jim Kelly Celebrity Golf Tournament. What a great event he has, Jim. 32nd year in a row that he has this golf tournament. And what's great about it is that you get to go up there and just, it's, it's the once a year, it's kind of like a family reunion. You know, there's a, a lot of legendary NFL players that I would probably otherwise not talk to, you know, during the year. Um, and I get to see them. But Dwight Clark has passed. Dwight Clark of San Francisco 49ers Hall of Fame, who is responsible for, still to this day, one of the most epic moments called The Catch. I believe it was the 82 NFC Finals against the Cowboys, and there was just a couple of minutes left in the game. Montana drove them down the field, and from about six yards out, he he kind of just flung it up there. It looked really, like he was throwing it away. Yeah, it did. It did. He kind of just flicked it, and uh, Dwight Clark comes racing across the back line, and and jumps up and with his fingertips makes what is now known throughout folklore and and, uh, uh, NFL history as the catch. Now, you made an interesting statement. Why is this funny? I was nine years old, and it's probably one of the first real sports memories I have. Like That's like one of the great moments that happened in my, my little mush brain's memory. Well, you said... That's one of the first. That's the first great that's, memory. That's the first sports memory. I said it's one of the first sports memories I have. I want to go to the videotape. It was the first sports memory, not one. But anyway, so what happened in the first nine years? You don't remember any? No, I wasn't just. Maybe I was just wasn't that into sports. Like I remember. Yeah. yeah like, Do you remember the celebration of it? Were you, were you watching the game on? Yeah, TV? I remember watching it at my friend Scott Green's house. He was a 49ers fan, and I remember watching it in his living room. I did not want San Francisco to win that game. I wanted Dallas to win the game. So I also remember that, and I'm older than you, so I can really remember. Well, that, that was the most traumatic thing for me about this in the office, was I was walking around the office asking, hey, where were you when the catch happened? And nobody was born. <laughs> nobody really... was born in 1981. <laughs> Joe was what? I was, I was born in 84. <laughs> Seth was born in 99, I think. Oh, boy. Wow. Maybe 2000. 
So what's your first sports memory, Joe? Uh, Red Sox beating the Yankees in the World Series. It's the it's the first thing. I mean, it's fairly Not recent, but it's the first thing. In the playoffs. Didn't the Red Sox win the World Series in 04, but that wasn't against yes. the Yankees? No. I remember the Red Sox winning the World Series in 2004. <laughs> I was 20. That's my earliest sports memory. So you didn't really play sports when you were a kid. I played soccer for a uh, So you didn't play sports? No, I didn't. Do I look like someone who played sports ever, voluntarily? What'd you do with all your spare time? (laughs) Women, can't you tell? Oh, yeah. He he was a womanizer. Rico (laughs) Salzone. What about you, Danny? What's your earliest sports memory? Well, I can remember... The um, seeing Mickey Mantle as a really young kid bat at Yankee Stadium. Um, I probably was four. Um, I can remember going to Yankee Stadium for sure. I can remember going to Shea Stadium to see the Mets. Sadly, um, having to endure the Yankees in the 60s and then this upstart team in the National League, the New York Mets, goes to the World Series in 69 with Tom Seaver and um, and they had this, you got to believe, some guy he had these signs that was in the, and he became famous at Shea Stadium. And he put this thing up, you got to believe, and that became the mantra and the slogan for the New York Mets. And, of course, they won the World Series, and I watched two of my brothers jump ship um, to the Mets, the, 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 the Magical Mets, the Miracle Mets, the Mets, the Mets, the Mets. I hated the Mets. Um, I, I couldn't, I, I was hoping that the stadium would blow up um, you know, because all I had to hear about was the Mets and the Yankees were in like dead last place, and I had to endure that. And then suddenly, in the in the mid seventies, the Yankees got hot, and suddenly all my brothers were Yankee fans again. Wow, the Yankees, man, the pinstripes, man, and I had to watch everyone just keep jumping on the gravy train for my Yankees. Um, but I remember, I would say, um, you know, it's interesting you said it because as I think about it, I was, I also remember I was five years old, five or six. And we were at Shea Stadium. And the reason why we would go to Met games for my dad, economically speaking, um, <clears throat> Brooklyn and and Queens are actually part of Long Island, um, you know, as far as the land mass is concerned. And then it becomes Nassau and Suffolk County as you head further out into the ocean. And we were from Nassau County. So you could get tickets to a Mets game and you could go in there with your family and see a Mets game. It was an affordable day to go with a family in the 60s. So because of the proximity of Yankee Stadium being so much further in the Bronx from my home, from my dad's bang for the buck, we went to go see Met games. And I specifically remember a guy falling off the L train. I'll never forget it. He was uh, waiting for the subway. It was an elevated subway thing, and he fell to his death. And they blocked off this whole section of going to... um, Going into the stadium because they they had the cops come. Well, this is an uplifting Monday story for us all. Well, it's Tuesday. Whatever the but that's hell it right. is, Tuesday. That's right. Monday, <laughs> Monday, I'll uplift you. Tuesday, really I'll drag you into the memory is seeing a guy fall to his death. <laughs> to his death. <laughs> but, I mean, it would stick out in your mind, I right? guess. Well, yeah. when I was a kid, and I remember I remember walking into... This listen, is, death is a, real, is a real thing. This I, isn't exactly what I was going for when I asked this question. I realized that. I, but you uh, can't remember anything before you're well, 10. Well, no, like I remember going to Padres games in 1980... But that wasn't a big, like watching Juan Eichelberger pitch wasn't like a huge moment in my life. Like the catch was like the first big sporting event. A monumental event. Yeah, I remember the Steelers winning the Super Bowl. And then I remember the catch. And then from then on, it was the Sixers. I remember Dr. J. I remember, you know, like it was. 
It was uh, well, yes. If you go back to 1969, what an incredible year! Um, the the Mets won the World Series. The Jets won the Super Bowl with Joe Namath. I remember that. Um, uh, we landed on the moon. I mean, 69 was like a crazy year. Allegedly. If you were, <laughs> wow. Wow, let's talk about that. Just no, I, I'm just joking. Do you think it was a hoax? No, of course not. So why'd you say allegedly? I just don't know why we I, haven't done it since. <laughs> well, who says we haven't? Oh. Ding, 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 so ding, you're ding, a ding. moon landing truther in that you think we've done it more than once? Um, I don't think that they, although I've seen the photographic evidence uh-huh. and when they talk about how, why would the flag be moving yeah, and yeah, all yeah. this other stuff and, and some of it, you know, doesn't make sense to me. Of course, I've never been up on the moon myself to tell you what the conditions really are. I, um, am, am the first to tell you what we're told versus what's actually reality mm-hmm. can be very, very different things. Um, uh, there's a great movie about, uh, I'm trying to think of who, I think it's James Brolin. And James, yeah, pull up the excellence. James Brolin plays a guy who they send him up in a launch with the other astronauts, and they have some kind of crash landing, or, or, or yeah, or yeah, they have some kind of landing, and, and and they think they're on the moon, and they've actually redirected the rocket to land like somewhere in the Arizona desert or over, mm-hmm. so it looks like the moon or some crap, and um, and then they have to slowly but surely kill all the astronauts to, to and so they're they're hunting them down naturally. Of course they are. Yeah, of course. Sounds, <laughs> Sounds like a great movie. Were you in it? You got a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, what else you got this? What, 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 did you do, what, what did you do without me yesterday? What did we, what did we, what did we put I on? I chilled, relaxed, got Did we put on reruns? Uh, we played the Dan Levitard show. What did you... You were at the uh, Jim Kelly golf tournament. How'd that go? Uh you know, it was really good to see Jim. He's uh, obviously been made very public that he's battling cancer again. He's gone through some surgeries and uh, and some radiation and chemotherapy and all the things that we do to try to combat this disease. I mean, I, you know, I'd be lying to say it's not a setback. Um, you know, he, he thought he was cancer-free. He thought he had beat it. You know, when you start going and operating, you know, near, near and on your brain and stuff, you know, the... the Right away, the first inference for most people is, okay, this is not going to be good. And and so it turned out that it looked like after last year's golf tournament, he was on the mend. And now, uh, you know, to see him uh, in the spirits that he's in is, is is really commendable. I mean, he's a warrior for sure, on and off the field. And he's decided to take this on head first. And so, you know, there's some signs of, of things post-surgery. His speech is a little funny because they had to do some stuff with his teeth and, um. You know, but he's he's fighting it. He looks a little thin, but he was out there on the course and he hit a couple balls in the first tee and you know, he did all the press interviews and, and everything else and you know, my prayers, my friend Jim Kelly, I got auctioned off again. I'm an auction item every year. No. You cooking for someone again? I'm chefing for somebody. So they uh it's myself and Robin will serve and we go up to Jim's uh his his lodge up in Buffalo. And uh, I cook a five-course meal for the highest bidder and their friends. Uh, we'll be going up to do that again. Uh, they raised a lot of money to do it, so it was great. Who chooses the menu? I do. So you make the menu from top to bottom? I make the menu. I make suggestions, but I'll, I'll actually interview the person that, that made the bid. So, for instance, last year we had a 
um, a spinach, a cream spinach, mushroom, and um, prosciutto stuffed chicken breast uh, that was uh, marinated in a white wine cream sauce for about 12 hours. Mm. Um, and then uh, I served uh, uh, some stuffed shrimp, and I make a, a cream lobster sauce that I put over the top as an appetizer. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I really take my time. I, I, to feed the eight people, um, the dinner that I did was $1,200. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a, an all-star lineup. What about dessert? Let's talk about dessert. Dessert? I like to keep things very, very standard. Yeah. And I make a berry pie. That's what I do. Because I make the crust from scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, To this day, my mother, the only thing that I have ever been able to out-accomplish her in, in the kitchen, when it comes to baked goods, Mm -hmm. is this crust to my pie. And so every Thanksgiving, my mother says the same thing. Make me an apple and make me a strawberry rhubarb pie. Are you going to tell me how you get the crust to turn out that way? And I tell my mother the same thing. When you die, I will take the recipe and I will slip it into the casket. And you can take it up to heaven with you. And you can have that pie ready for me when I come after you. And my mother looks at me and goes, you really aren't going to tell me? And I say, no, I'm not. It's a horrible thing to do. Is there a Wegmans in heaven where you would buy all the supplies? (laughs) Yeah, she's going to go up there and she's going to have the recipe. Because now, and I'll tell you why. Sob. I'll tell you why. Because it's our. Well, there's stuff my mother has never told me how she does stuff. Like her lemon meringue is the the creamiest I've ever had in my life. And I go, it's got to be something with the blender. She goes, I'm not telling you. Get out. And she throws me out. So I touched her right back. And she cannot have my. If I tell you how to do it, then that means you can do it, and you don't need me anymore. This is a weird thing. That this uh, maybe this is an actual thing that happens to a lot of people. I took care of my mother while she was uh, dying for a year, mm-hmm. and she sat down and explained to me how to make everything. Like that was her goal in the last year was to make sure I knew how to make her to meatballs, pass it on. how to make her spaghetti sauce. Like she would sit in the kitchen with me and That's great. do it, and it was really weird. And I go out of my way. Now to- I'll never make that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I go out of my way to ask my parents questions because eventually they're not going to be around anymore. And there are things I want to know because, you know, when they're gone. So wait, these aren't recipes. So I'm about to ask. No, no, no. They're They're just family stuff. Right, right. Uh, Well, you know, it's funny how family works because Robin, who was just in the studio, my wife turned around and said, you know, it'd be a great idea to raise money for the Breast Cancer Research Fund. You should do a Baldwin family cookbook. And so we talked about this over the years. So Robin started talking to my mother and writing out like some of her, what, what are your 10, be- oh, my love, my mother calls everything love something. Love cake, love pie. She said, because if you make it with love, then that means it's going to turn out really, really well. Love popsicle. Love popsicle. Well, that's, you know, that's all. Love cream. Cordial. Love cream. Well, no, I, we're going to get into what he did this week. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to come back uh, uh, from a break and tell, you, and tell you a little more about... Uh, the cookbook it was uh it's a classic baldwin story we'll be right back it's not just radio you listen to it's radio you try to survive espn radio 97.7 100.1 1200 a.m and 1440 a.m this is the daniel baldwin show <laughs> hey now when you, when you go to break <laughs> and you feel like muhammad ali george foreman you remember muhammad decided it would be wise of him to lean on the ropes and go into what he called the rope-a-dope and let the opponent punch himself out. 
Keep in mind that it took three or four of those rounds of just getting smashed from side to side, your arms, your wrists, hands, face, head. That's what break on our show is like sometimes with Polly the Mole. <laughs> Polly just took Joe Salzone and I and put us both on just for like one of those, you know, like, like the Italians back in the old neighborhood. Just give him a beating. Make sure he understands. Lesson learned. Don't tell Polly anything because he will turn it around against you. He's, it, he's it, Hannibal Lecter. He'd be like, oh, I, my dog died. Oh, yeah, I murdered your dog. He's Hannibal Lecter. Remember Dr. Chilton yeah. says, I would never make don't tell him anything dog. about yourself. You don't want Hannibal Lecter in your head. He's Hannibal the Cannibal. He's a, he's so, a sicko. So before we have to break you... Uh... So Robin, Robin turns around and she says, I think it would be great to do um, a Baldwin family cookbook. And so she starts writing down these recipes from my mother. And they're having a nice time. You know, she's entering them in this book. And so a couple of days into it, my sister calls. Is Robin putting together a book with mom and her... Robin is not you know, one of the Baldwins. Robin's not a Baldwin. Oh, and my so God. That, so yeah, 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 it's that kind of thing. So it got to, you know, one niece, who the hell does she think she is, another niece, well, and it became like this, like, terrifying family. I love my families. Br- yeah. Just a, the it was petty squabbles and It was whatnot. crazy. So, you know, my, my Alec calls me, Billy calls me, well, listen, this would need to be controlled by, you know, my agent would need to see from Stephen and, you know, and, and, and Baba, and I thought, same thing in my family. Guys, we're going to put the you pick two things. Give me your your you know ravioli recipe or whatever, you know, and Alec Open does ravioli, you know, whatever you want. Exactly, whatever it is. Microwave 90 seconds, done. If that's the recipe, put it in there. Does we're, my best friend Alec cook? <laughs> <laughs> he gets so excited every time I Alec's I, name gets cook? brought up. I would like to have him make me dinner sometime. Maybe I'll ask. Wow. <laughs> He sounds like he's eight years old. I didn't sound does eight he, to me. Did, did he cook? Does he cook? Seriously, sounds like a Nambla meeting to me. Actually. What? A, <laughs> you're the best cook out of the Baldwins. Oh please, I'm gonna cook. I'm a chef. You're the best chef. Out I'm a of chef. The there are no other chefs in the Baldwin family. I'm the chef in the family. Let's get that straight. So you're the best because somebody who's a chef, if you said they're a cook, is going to absolutely look down upon that statement. So when you've attained the level of culinary expertise that I have. You are no longer a cook. You are absolutely a chef. Okay, who's second best? Who, who's the who are the better cooks? Yes. Uh, I don't know any Beth for sure. My sisters and my mother, um, but the boys. I don't think I've ever seen Xander cook. A, I've never had a meal he's created. Billy, I've seen you know stand over a grill with a hamburger, and Stephen Nada. No, these are go out to restaurants. Let somebody else do the That's work. That's what I do. I'm a takeout guy. Every night's takeout. That's terrible for your system, though. Oh, well. Wah. Yeah. If it gets me off this rock quicker, it'll be better. You, you got to come over. You got to spend a week over at the Baldwin Farm and eat healthy. You know, one of the things that people- Working for you. It does work for me. Uh, in, in this room, I'm the one that's 57 and played for three hours playing basketball, and I'm older than each one of you, and you guys were dead after 20 minutes, so- I would beg to differ, but okay. You ready to do One this? of the things I'm going to give you. No, I'm not oh. ready to do it. You know, I'm going to give you one little hint on how you can help yourself as far as nutrition is concerned. So a lot of people don't want to buy into drinking the shakes and doing all that kind of stuff to subsidize their <clears throat> buy a Vitamix. The reason why you buy a Vitamix and not the, the bullet or any of that other stuff is because a Vitamix reduces it down to its cellular level. 
it can actually take a seed in a, in a kiwi and break the seed up into liquid form. Take uh, whatever it is that you want to add to your, a little bit of spinach, a little bit of broccoli, a couple cloves of, of cauliflower, and spin it in a little bit of um, um, chicken stock, and then pour that in the sauce that you're going to eat, and mix it all up and heat it. You are now eating a head of broccoli, a head of cauliflower, and spinach. <laughs> All not affecting really the flavor of what you're eating, and you're supplementing your diet by putting that in in a liquid form in the sauces that you use. By doing that, you'll up all types of minerals, vitamins, and necessary things that you probably don't get when you eat at fast food places every day. <laughs> and this will help you live a longer and better life. You're listening to HGTV. Thank you. Let's play So What. You want to go to early break and play So What? We want to play so what now? I'm so excited. It's time for. We're going um, over. I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control and I just can't. Um. So what? It's unlistenable radio. You understand the me? Daniel Baldwin show. It sure is. Oklahoma outfitter Kyler. <laughs> it sure is on, un, on unlistenable radio. Salzone. The comedy songs of Joe Salzone, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, he was selected by the Oakland A's with a number nine pick in the MLB draft on Monday. Murray expected to be Oklahoma's starting quarterback, and Coach Lincoln Riley uh, has previously talked about how he expects him to be with the team next season. That's a big decision. There's money. He's going to step away from money from MLB to play quarterback. Uh, I'm interested to see what his decision will be. Well, being a quarterback in the state of Oklahoma is not a bad thing lately. So, you know, yeah. I mean... Um, he might want to test the waters on a, you know, is he going to start as a freshman? They're going to bring him right in to take over for Mayfield. That that's the he is a he is projected to be their starting quarterback. I go to I go to Oklahoma, play a year and leave if I and see what. Then I weigh the baseball against football, is what I would do. So not a so what. Not a so what. No. But the interesting thing for me is, do the A's lose that draft pick, or do they just save the money? Do they do that just no, you, to save you, the you, money? You use the draft pick, you hold them. This is the Elway thing that Elway did. Elway turned around, he was drafted by um, Baltimore. He made it very clear he was not going to play football in Baltimore. So he held his his baseball contract. People forget that John Elway threw like a 96-mile-an-hour fastball in, in, at Stanford. So he said he was going to the New York Yankees and he would not bother. Don't waste your pick or trade my pick to another team or I'm going to play baseball. Imagine if Elway had played baseball at Yankee Stadium. That would have been hot. Yeah, apparently he can do both. Yeah. So uh, his, his ceiling is not as high in football as it is in baseball, this is saying. And so uh, well, that's baseball what, will be more money, longer career span, and he's 5'11". So. Well, that's what, what proves my point. If he plays one year at Oklahoma and goes off and they have a big year, well, then he weighs one. Con- he can use the football contract to go back to the baseball people and say, hey, they want me in the NFL now. So now how much are you going to pay me? And but he, if, in last night at 11.45, he said that he will be playing football this year. So. There you go. I told you what he was going to do. Not a so what. Like that story. All right. Big story, Joe. Continue. Thank you. So first for you. <laughs> Thank you. Serena Williams has pulled out of the French Open, citing a pectoral injury, uh, injury in the press conference to discuss her withdrawal. Williams said the injury made her unable to serve and that she did not struggle with it before the tournament. Which is a pectoral injury? Correct. Hmm. 
I uh, I don't think it's a so what because she's been dominant for so long, and maybe her body's just finally saying enough is enough. Well, and, she's a uh, pace player. I don't think. Um, when's the last time she won the French? She's a more of a U.S. Open hard court. Uh, um, Sharapova will actually caught a break in her actually sitting out too because she hasn't beat her in like two decades. So <laughs> there's that working for her, and she uh, this this uh, actually opens up a chance for Sharapova to win. So that's big uh, tennis. And, and women's you know, tennis. It's crazy <laughs> to think about that. Sharapova's in her 30s. I mean, she's been around forever. How, how you know? How are these women at this age able to stay on top like this? What does that do for Serena's sister, Venus? I mean, anytime you knock out somebody as good as Serena, it's a it moves everybody up. Or, I don't even know if Venus is playing tennis still anymore. What are you talking about? She just played in a finals event against Serena last year. You're asking questions I don't know the answers to. That's because you didn't watch any sports before you were ten. <laughs> she was uh, she was playing doubles with her sister, right? And what in, in the finals? Yeah, and she lo- yeah. So there you go. So what? Try to tell you. Yankee sluggers Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton left a doubleheader split in uh, sour moods on Monday night. Judge became the first player ever to record eight strikeouts in a doubleheader, including punch outs in the nightcap. Meanwhile, Stanton was angry. After he was hit by another pitch, eight strikeouts is impressive. I could do that. Eight strikeouts, and the punch outs mean that they were called, I, threw him out. Right? Wow. Are we just going to steamroll over Pauly saying he could do what uh, Judge did? It's the only thing. In did his, you have a comment you need to make? Because I, I feel free the mic is wide you open. You can do it. On. You can strike out eight times in a, two games. I strike out every night. You could hit him with a pitch. He would love that. Are we going opening day? Are we going opening day and throwing a ball now? Uh, it's not us. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Double days. We're coming down to the stadium. We're throwing out the ball <laughs> a little bit. Joe Salzone's going to give me the big, big now on the mound, number 12. I'm thinking I might take a sick day that day. Wow. And the food, <laughs> the food delivery firm, by the way, was that, a, that wasn't a so what, right? It's kind of who cares, really, to tell you the truth. Struck out eight times, great. Stanton struck out, what do they call it, the golden sombrero? When you strike out five times yeah, in one game? Yeah, four. I thought it was five. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get anything right today. It's all right. Well, Daniel searches for the answer. The food delivery firm Deliveroo, thanking actor Benedict Cumberbatch after the Sherlock star, reportedly fought off muggers who were attacking a cyclist working for the company. The Uber driver uh, told the Sun newspaper that he was driving Cumberbatch and his wife when they saw a cyclist getting hit with a bottle. So what? <laughs> what does he really think he's a superhero? A golden sombrero is striking out four times in a single game. <clears throat> um, I, uh, I, I, Hashtag Paulie was right. I, I am corrected. Yeah. Paulie is correct. It is four times one game um, for the golden sombrero. Uh, yeah, no, I don't care about that story either. You got anything else? <laughs> <laughs> I do not have anything else. Joe does t- tend to, you know, muggings behind a Starbucks. You know, he just he pulls them up, huh? You saw a guy fall off a platform to his death. That's how we started the show. I saw it. You didn't see this guy get mugged. You Tell don't know something. that. You don't know that. Not, you don't know if I was in London you over don't the weekend. Know if I wasn't where I was. We will uh, come back and talk Donald Trump. <laughs> just the, the base of the whole show just in the fell Philadelphia through the floor. Eagles. 
Wow. Let's Next. talk about it. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse. And 100.1 FM Oswego. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey now. Let me say it again. Hey now. Did we, did we get it? Yes. You're all good over there? Where do you want to go, Paul? We have so much to talk about. Uh, the president canceled the a visit from the Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl champs, uh, because apparently some of the Eagles, or a majority of the Eagles, were not going to come anyway, so he canceled it. And well, I find it quite hypocritical, everybody's uh, reaction to this. Now, you said this, and I'm going to have Joe chime in when he's ready, because I'm, tr- I'm trying to follow the logic. So, God, explain to us why you find this hypocritical. Uh, everybody a week ago was upset that the president used a celebrity for a photo op when he met with Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. And now everybody's upset that he canceled the photo op with a bunch of athletes, which would have accomplished nothing also. Well, my take on this and, and why they're, I, I don't see them remotely related, is because it has been a rich tradition in the White House almost since the inception of the Super Bowl for the team as one of the rewards to go to the White House and get a ceremonial picture taken with the president. So this is not something that Trump decided he wanted to do or nor has it been. It's been done, you know, for many, many years and within one presidency four times in that one year the the eventual champion will go to the White House. Now, this has been used as a political tool for protests and so on and so forth by athletes in the past. Um, the, the, Kim Kardashian went to go up and speak with him on prison reform. Um, it, and I believe that for Trump and the, and the people around him, wisely, this was like when Elvis wanted to go and have a picture and meet with President Nixon. If you watch the movie, um, there was no intention at all of the president really listening much to what Elvis had to say. He wanted the photo op because he was struggling in the polls and, and he wanted the uh, the notoriety because Elvis was such a legend at the time. Um, I'm not quite sure how I get the... Because the, the, they're both just photo ops. What? What? Why even do this to begin with? Doesn't he have better things? Like everybody said last time, doesn't he have better things to do than to take a picture with a football well, team? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of expenses that are better for a city to have than St. Patrick's Day, but we still do it because of the tradition of it, and 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 you know it gives people something to to cheer for. And I mean, I think it's more one of those things with the Super Bowl. Than but more it is. than half the team wasn't going to come anyway, so who cares? Joe. I uh, don't know if it's ex- exactly the same as Kim Kardashian going to the White House uh, last week. I agree, it's a photo op. Really, uh, I, I I don't didn't care that much that Kardashian was there last week. I don't care that much that Trump, uh, uh, quote unquote, canceled the uh, Eagles visit. Well, uh, it's interesting because you know all of these decisions are made um, with a lot of statistical input. You know, pe- I'm sure people have have weighed in. What's the advantage? What's the disadvantage of of pissing off a bunch of people from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a major city, you know, and saying now that Trump canceled it? So, you know, I I guess they had to weigh that versus. I don't think Trump's win in Philadelphia anytime soon. You know, you don't. Didn't he win Pennsylvania as a surprise? Actually, yeah, but he I, he doesn't win. He did. Ur- he did he, not win in uh, Philadelphia. He, he doesn't win urban no. areas. Okay, so he threw Philadelphia to. 
to to the fire and said to hold him. Yeah, I mean, he's picking up by doing this. He's probably picking up a lot of suburban areas and keeping his base strong. Farmers like Donald. Yes. People that work wow. in manufacturing, like Mr. Trump, also. Wow. So, Interesting. It's my hot you, take of the day. You love Trump, don't you? Uh, no, I didn't vote for him. You didn't vote for Donald? No, I just find it. Re- he won. This is my take on it. He won. Get over it. Move along with your life. I if you sp- don't like it, vote him out in four years. That's exactly my take on it too. You know, you you can you can write your congressman. You can try to even support this president and get him to move towards things that you want done. But he won. Yeah, I. I uh, so. I, I have been pleasantly surprised by a few things he has done too. So I'm not wow. I'm not the the just because he did it I hate it guy. Now Joe on the other hand has a very distinctive opinion. No, it's it's exhausting. It's exhausting <laughs> reading the negative comments about him. It's exhaustive reading the positive. I just I, I'm worried about my life. I, 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 you know, I'll worry about the next election when it comes around. For now, I, I try really hard not to think about it. You know what's interesting? I've actually unfollowed people. On social media, with whom I am sympathetic, like you know, people that I agree with, just because I, I can't let it dominate my life. Everybody's on a, uh, on a fifteen right now on a scale of one to ten over everything, and it's yeah. obnoxious. Yeah, Paul is right. It, it's it just, is actually, you know, and, and 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 this is my opinion. But you can go ahead and do what I did in order to prove this to yourself. It hasn't changed at all. It hasn't. Only one thing has changed. Nothing has changed. Go back during Nixon and Google any Washington Post on a Monday or a Friday. All it is is Watergate, this gate, that gate, this happened, the war, this. Then go into Carter. Ineffective, terrible press. I mean, every single criticism, the amount of criticism that we believe is um, been thrown at this president has been going on every presidency, even through Reagan and Bo- the difference is social media. And because of the social media and the access to people who would normally not read the Washington Post or would not read the New York Times or not read the Chicago Tribune, now it's rifled down your throat with things that are unavoidable for you to yeah, get Yeah, now every on. idiot thinks that their opinion is the most important thing in the world. I, th- I think the important thing is if you can make your little corner of the world a better place, focus on that. And wow. politics uh, can, can wait. It's uh, um, it's almost like being in the room with Tony Robbins, isn't it? I mean, I like that. almost, almost, very similar you know, in this moment. In this moment, in this yeah. moment. It, Trump has done one thing that I find completely amazing: is he's turned a a vast number of Americans insane, and it's fun to kind of watch. He has legitimately made people who I thought were normal, sane humans insane. Like over everything he does. Well, this is—it's fun to watch. This is what, what, what it's interesting to me. The closest sports analogy I can give is James Buster Douglas. And one night, I'm sitting in a hotel room, and I'm flipping through the channels, and it's like you know, nine hours earlier in Japan, and I look up and it says Mike Tyson, James du- Buster Douglas, and I thought, oh, Tyson has a title fight. I'm like. Well, the reason why they they did this in Japan is because no one cares in the U.S. if James Buster Douglas fights Mike Tyson. I thought, okay, I'm going to watch it. So I'm just sitting there, I ordered a hamburger, sitting at the end of the bed, and this guy knocks Mike Tyson out at at at, at like a 27 to 100 dog or some crazy number. But his mother had just passed away. Tyson said he would never be able to beat him. 
This was his shot. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you why that is, is my analogy to Trump. Because I have a lot of people very close to me that do not like Donald Trump, that did not want Donald Trump to win. But those people that are very close to me, uh, campaigns eight years ago and 12 years ago and 16 years ago, spent countless hours throwing financial um, you know, dinners to raise money. Um, they did events. They showed up and did talks. They helped campaign. They contributed directly themselves. No one, no one thought this guy was going to pull this off. And so a lot of the old school and hardcore Democrats got caught literally with their pants down. And this guy pulled it off and he won. The same why I use that analogy is, do you know how many people in Mike Tyson's corner went, man, maybe we should have trained a little harder. This guy was the real deal. He took the, he took the belt. When you get caught that way and you think that you can't, like, that's why a Super Bowl is so great. That's why March Madness is so great. Because it's one game. It's not a series. So anyone on any given Sunday, and he pulled it off, you know, Say what you want to say. He's the president of the United States. And a lot of people are mad because they weren't ready for this to happen. And they didn't think it could happen. And they didn't work as hard as they normally would have worked, including Hillary. If you told Hillary eight eight months, but, but certainly two years before that election, that she was going to run against Donald Trump, she would have laughed her ass off. She would say, great, I'm in. No one expected it to happen. You want to hear something about the Buster Douglas Tyson fight? Only one casino put odds on it hmm. in Vegas. It was 27 to 1 to start. That's what I said. Yeah. Two people bet Tyson to win. One put $81,000 down to win $3,000. So then it jumped to uh, 32 to 1. The next bet was 93000 to win 3000 So... There were so little bets on this. The biggest payout on it was one guy put $1,500 on Douglas at 38 to 1 odds, and he won $57,000. Wow. But, yeah, they they made a hundred grand. That The casino that put odds on it made a hundred grand on that fight off of just the minimum bets that People they had. People didn't even cover it. Yeah. So Crazy. There you go. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back more with more of the Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Follow the NBA playoffs on ESPN Radio AM 1200. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. <laughs> it drives Joe crazy when I pull stuff up on my phone and play it into the... It's not, not the only one. Not, not, wow. Drives me up a wall, too. Does it really? Yeah. How come? The, the sound quality? Because if you maybe quality? told it... Yeah, if you maybe told us before... During the break, you wanted us to pull something up. We could play it through the board, and it would sound clear yeah. and crisp. Yeah, play this. Play this. Oh, God. I'm going to shut him. Do you know what's amazing? <laughs> this is what we were talking about in the break. Daniel Baldwin has done two movies with Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. Curtis Armstrong. It's a... It's a great, it's a great feather <laughs> yeah, in my cap, yeah. isn't it? Then you're the one reading off his credits, going, "Wow, he's in this. Wow, he's on this show. Wow, you know, talking about how he works all the time, and he's he's so good." One minute left. Yeah, we got one That's minute. It. So if you missed any of the Daniel Baldwin show or any other show on ESPN Radio Syracuse, you can go to ESPNSyracuse.com and download it, or subscribe to ESPN Syracuse on iTunes. Was well, that a question? You, you can them, download it. You, you can download delivered? it. Really, it's on there. <laughs> your phone. So, you know, you know, another thing that I want to start to do with the audience is text us in questions and, and, and email us stuff you want to talk about. 
or we can even if you if you have a question that's interesting that we'd like to talk about, we'll call you and have you on the show. So text us and email us. What's our email that they're, they're going to send us their questions to, Paulie? Uh, tweet, tweet us at ESPN Syracuse. Direct message us, and we can uh, do that. So. Oh, that's perfect. I like it. And also, caller number five right now, 315-437-7644, June 22nd. You can join us for a UPS happy hour with Daniel Baldwin at Shaughnessy's Pubs in the Marriott Syracuse downtown from UPS and ESPN Syracuse. Come on down. Did you ever make a movie with Getty Watanabe? <laughs> no, but do you remember um, Watanabe the wrestler? No. <sighs> Google really quick. Do it before we go. I break. can't. We got three seconds. We'll right. talk to you. Everybody Watanabe the wrestler. I'm going to tell them the story. I'll talk to you about it later.